The music has started, the mother of the bride rises, the congregation follows. Well, it's true. Everyone loves a wedding. We know from Scripture that Jesus did. In fact, not only did he perform his first recorded miracle at a wedding, but he often taught using the wedding as a metaphor for the relationship between himself and the people he loves. Welcome to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. You know, it's not surprising that when Jesus described what it'll be like when he comes again for us, he used a wedding as his example. According to ancient Jewish custom, a prospective bridegroom would go away to his father's house, and then, after a period of time, he would return, unannounced, to claim his bride. When Jesus said in John 14, If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Everyone hearing it knew he was describing the wedding tradition. As the bride in Bible times waited with excitement and anticipation for her bridegroom to return, so we wait with great anticipation for Jesus' soon return. And this is the beautiful picture that we'll study today in the Song of Solomon. But first, let's hear a couple of letters from our mailbag. Here's one. This is a note from Georgie in Argentina. Since I found your programs, I listen to them every morning and not only once, but several times until I discover what the Lord wants to reveal through this study. And Nicholas in Colombia emailed us this. I have been listening to your studies and they have blessed and edified me a lot. Each message is like God talking to me in a special way. He has infused me with encouragement, faith, and strength. And after several years of wandering in darkness, I am starting again to walk by faith and beginning to restore my family. Well, every day our World Prayer Team travels together praying and thanking God for listeners like Georgie and Nicholas and you and me. Will you join us as we ask God to reach his whole world with his whole word? It's an exciting journey, and we'd love to have you aboard with us. You can find out more and sign up to receive an email each weekday with specific prayer requests and praises when you visit ttb.org forward slash pray. And let's do that together as we begin our study. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us when we are so unlovely. And thank you for this picture of a bride waiting for her bridegroom to come. Lord, we wait for your return with a great expectation. And until you come, please help us to be faithful and to watch and pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn now to Song of Solomon 2 as we go to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now we continue on in this very wonderful Song of Solomon, which is made up of about five canticles. Remember, it says the historian in 1 Kings made the statement that he wrote a thousand and five songs. We currently have at least five of them here. The others think we have more. Now, we are going to begin at verse 8 today in chapter 2. But I want to move back and pick up a statement that we went over last time rather hurriedly. And we are still going to continue for at least a couple of more days looking into the text and very carefully. And I trust that after that, that you will be interested enough to read this little book and you will see a wealth of meaning as you go through it that will draw you into the Holy of Holies and into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I drop back to verse 4 where it says, He brought me to the banqueting house and his banner over me was love. 
Now, this is the story of this Shulamite girl when finally she was won by King Solomon. He appeared first as a shepherd, and he won a heart. And then he came as the king to claim her. And he brought her back to the palace in Jerusalem. And she says, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Now, we are seeing in all of this a glorious, wonderful, spiritual picture of not only the church and Christ, but the church is his bride, will be his bride, and that this also reveals the personal relationship that you and I can have with the Lord Jesus. Now, will you notice, he brought me into the banqueting house. Now, the banqueting house, I think, looks forward to that day when we are going to go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You and I'll be there, and be there by the grace of God. I believe that is the picture that is here. That's when full satisfaction will be made. But I don't know about you, but he's brought me to the table of salvation, and he's brought me to the table of fellowship, and he prepared the table before me of the Word of God here in this little Song of Solomon, and he tells me to eat and to be full. So he brought me into the banqueting house, and he brings me to the Lord's table. He brings me to a table of good things, and how good he is, how gracious he is, how wonderful he is. And we can do nothing but sing praises unto him. Now, may I say that as we move back, we find out that when he was born, that he brought joy unspeakable to a group of folk. That was Simeon and Anna yonder in the temple. They were waiting for him. They had great hope that he'd come in their lifetime. And well, one day Joseph and Mary brought the little boy Jesus in. And my, what a banqueting house that was for those two who had looked for the salvation of the Lord. And you will remember, it was a wonderful banqueting house that God brought Joseph and Mary to when word was brought to her that she would conceive and bear this child. You remember, she was David's great, great, great granddaughter. And she said, He hath filled the hungry with good things. And the son of David, Solomon, had already said, He hath brought me into the banqueting house. What a picture that we have here. And you remember that that was the prayer at the beginning of this girl, Draw me and we'll run. Oh, the ecstasy and the excitement, but we can't take it in unless he draws us, unless he lifts us up, unless the Spirit of God gives us the ability to have a discernment and to have our eyes open to behold him in all of his beauty and all of his glory. Now, we are told here, his banner over me was love, and it's still floating over us today. It's the banner of conquest. In that day, all conquering armies carried a banner with them. And in that particular time, it was the Roman army. 
And the Son of God still goes forth to war. That is, it's a battle today for the souls of men. I remember that I resisted him, and I didn't want to come. I never shall forget the excuses I made for not going to a young people's conference. I thought it was a bunch of sissies that went there, and I didn't want to go with that crowd, and I wasn't interested in it. But, you know, he opened up the way, and first thing I knew, I was there. And before I knew it, I'd made a decision in my heart that was for him. His banner over me has been a banner of conquest. And then it's a banner also of protection. And you will remember that he came into this world, and the Father testified, he's my beloved son. And they couldn't touch him until his hour came. And at that time, they took him and crucified him. And it was something that was terrible. He cried out in that hour, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then they thought since God had forsaken him, that he was forsaken, that they could do as they pleased with him. Well, they could cry out, Let God deliver him seeing he delighted in him. Well, God delighted in him. God had said, He's my only begotten Son. I'm well pleased in him. And so he raised him from the dead. He delivered him from death. And now there is that banner of salvation and protection over those that are his. And he says, The peace of God that passeth understanding will keep your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It'll be on guard duty. It will protect you. Then this is a banner of enlistment. You can enlist today as a soldier. He has a volunteer army. He says, if you love me, why, keep my commandments. And somebody says, I don't love him. He said, forget them. I want you to enlist. And I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, and you can come and enlist, but it's a volunteer army. What a picture that we have here. And there's so many other things that are so wonderful here. Stay me with flagons, comfort me with oranges, for I'm sick of love. Now, the Spirit of God has brought the saved soul into a personal relationship with Christ, that is satisfied. And again, I repeat, God is satisfied with Jesus and what he did for you. Are you satisfied? Do you find joy and satisfaction and delight in the person of Christ? Spend time in the pages of this little book, the little book that Moody spent time in, McCheney spent time in, and the great men of God down through the ages have spent time in this little book. And I would say I've spent too little time in this book, but it's become very meaningful to me today. And there is a wonderful satisfaction that you find here, a satisfaction that is paradoxical. It makes you sick. It is so satisfying. It's so thrilling. I remember hearing the man I succeeded in Nashville, Tennessee, a great man of God. And he told me one day, I went out to see him. I always loved to visit with him. He never talked to that man. He didn't have something new to tell you about the Word of God. 
And he said to me, he said, Vernon, the other night I was lying in bed, and I thought how wonderful Christ is. And he says, it just seemed to me that there was glory all around my bed. And he says, don't misunderstand, I'm not seeing things. But he said, it was so wonderful to contemplate the person of Christ till finally my body was so worked up, and I became so worked up I couldn't go to sleep. And finally I cried out to God. I said, oh, Lord, turn off the glory. This old body of mine can't stand any more of it. <laughs> the experience of Paul caught up to the third heaven. Oh, how wonderful it is. Many of us today, we haven't even gotten our foot in the door yet. We know so little about what it is to have this kind of fellowship with him today. Now, of course, it'll find its final fulfillment when we come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Erskine has said so many wonderful things. He's expressed it like this. The love, the love that I bestick works wonders in the soul. For when I'm whole, it makes me sick. When sick, it makes me whole. I'm overcome, I faint, I fail, till love shall love relieve. More love divine the wound can heal, which love divine did give. More of the joy that makes me faint would give me present ease. If more should kill me, I'm content to die of that disease. What a marvelous, wonderful thing. This is. What a paradox. This wonderful love of God. Now I must then come down to the place where I intended to begin today. But you can see how wonderful this little book is. Now we've come into the second song that is here. And this is a wonderful song because apparently Solomon had been away on a trip. And now he comes home. And she's looked forward in anticipation to his coming. She's excited about it. What a wonderful, glorious thing it is to see the excitement and ecstatic condition of the bride as she looks forward to the coming of the bridegroom. Now, this is, we'll find its final fulfillment, I think, in the anticipation of the church for the coming of Christ to take the church out of the world. And you'll notice that it begins now like this, the voice of my beloved. <laughs> and that's the thing that she says. It's the voice of my beloved. You remember what the Lord Jesus said about this very same thing here? He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life. My sheep hear my voice. It's the voice of my beloved. Behold, he cometh, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. And have you ever noticed that at the rapture, the first thing that you have is the voice of the Son of God? And may I say that his coming to the earth is not the sound of a voice, but of a tremendous glory sight. In other words, the appeal at the raptures to the ear, the appeal at his revelation when he comes to the earth is to the eye. 
that he'll come. Then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory. They'll see it then. But now they are to hear. You see, the church are made up of people who've heard something. We heard about him. We heard of his death and burial and resurrection. We trusted him. We listened to him today. So when he comes, we're going to know his voice. He says, my sheep, they hear me. They hear my voice. That means they hear with a knowledge of knowing who I am. And so Paul puts it like this, the Lord himself, and that means he's coming personally. He's not sending angels to gather the elect here. That's when he comes to the earth to establish his kingdom. But when he takes his church out of the world, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with what? With a shout the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And all of that's his voice. His voice will be like an archangel. It'll be like a trumpet when he comes. And first of all, what a picture we have of the rapture. The voice of my beloved, behold, he cometh, leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Now, I like that. It's poetic language. Of course it is. This is a song, my friend. And God is trying to speak to us in it here. And what a wonderful thing. He's leaping upon the mountains. He's skipping upon the hills. Now, there's a great deal said about the feet of Jesus. I have a series of messages that I ran several years ago on the members of the body of Christ. I spoke of the eyes of Jesus. I spoke of the lips of Jesus. Eyes that were stained with tears, by the way. And I spoke of the hands of Jesus. And I spoke of the feet of Jesus. And the prophet had said he'll make his feet like those of hinds' feet. The psalmist speaks of him as the hind of the morning. And that is Ijaleth Shehar. And that is the title of the 22nd Psalm. And that reveals the Lord Jesus Christ in the day of his sorrow. And you had in that psalm the cross of Christ, his death upon the cross. And it's a picture of the hind of the morning. What a picture. All night long, the dogs have been following the hind. The roe are a young heart. And they've torn at his flesh. They've attempted to destroy him. But now the sun has come up. And what do you have? There is the hind of the morning standing on the mountain peak. He escaped it all. He's skipping upon the hills. He's coming back, friends, and he's leaping upon the mountains. I can't think of a more wonderful poetic picture than this. And what a picture it is. And may I quote Erskine again? He says, When manifold obstructions met, my willing Savior made a stepping stone of every let that in his way was laid. He took stumbling blocks and he made them into stepping stones. And he made a way for us. And he is the way. And today, why, here we have the picture of his coming again. And he is like a roe or a young heart. Now he's drawing closer. And the voice of my beloved sounds over the rocks and rising grounds, o'er hills of guilt and seas of grief, he leaps.
bullets. He flies to my relief. Watts wrote that. And today, you and I have access to him. Now, will you notice we're told something else. He says, Behold, he standeth behind our wall. He looketh forth at the windows, showing himself through the lattice. And today, he's behind the wall. <laughs> he's gone yonder to God's right hand. And I'm way down here today. It's like it was when he went to the mountain to pray after he fed the 5,000 and his own were down there on the little sea of Galilee in a storm. That's where I am today. And he's up yonder at God's right hand. He's on the other side of the wall, friends. And everything under the sun is trying to keep me from him, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And today he still says, as he said to Zacchaeus, come down. Today I must abide at thy house. He says that to you. He says that to me. I want to come in with you. And if you'll go in with that old publican and fellowship with him, I think you'll come into where you are. You just invite him in. And this is the one that could be said in that day, There standeth one in the midst of you whom ye know not. And I knew him not. John the Baptist made that statement. The world doesn't know him. He's behind a wall today, the wall of indifference, the wall of rebellion against God, the wall of sin today. What a picture. And my beloved spoke, and he said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Why, we're told husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church. He gave himself for it because he's going to come and take her out of this world, how he's going to present it to himself, a church that he's purified. And believe me, the church needs it. All of us believers need it. He's going to sanctify and cleanse the church with the washing of water by the Word. It's the reason we have this Bible study, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish, and he says, Now rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. Lo, the winter's past. It's cold down here in this world. The rain is over and gone. The storm has now abated. The storms of life. You're having a hard time today, Christian friend? He said you would in the world. You're going to have trouble, he said. And we have trouble in the world. If you're not having trouble... You don't belong to him because that's one of the marks of a child of God. You're having trouble in the world, but now it's over. And it's going to be over when he comes, wiping away every tear, healing every broken heart, and every sorrow has now vanished away and we've brought into his presence. The winter's past, the rain is over and gone, and the flowers appear on the earth. There are going to be a lot of flowers in heaven in the new Jerusalem. I want to grow camellias there myself. Someone gave me recently, I'm told camellias that are valued at about $500, very fine hybrid types. I have raised them before, but I never had wonderful ones like I got now. And I want to continue to raise them up there. Heaven is a place of flowers. Flowers appear now on the earth, and down here on the earth, it's going to be different. Oh, what a glorious, wonderful picture we have. But I'll have to leave off right there today. We'll pick up right there next time. 
May the Lord richly bless you, my beloved. As you study the Song of Solomon and this beautiful picture of our Lord Jesus' love for us, do you get more excited about his return for us, his bride? I know I do. Well, if you'd like to know more about Jesus' return, then you'll want to read Dr. McGee's booklet, The Rapture Comes Next. This great Bible study resource and so many more are available for free download at ttb.org forward slash booklets. Or call us at 1-800-65-BIBLE if we can help you find it. Now, as always, you can write to us at Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. Or if you listen in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Now, before we go, I want to invite you to join me for more great teaching in the Song of Solomon on our Sunday sermon. Dr. McGee's message this week, The Greatest Love Story Ever Told, is available on our app or online at ttb.org. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll be here next time, saving a seat on the Bible bus just for you. Our story on the Bible bus today is just one step in a five-year journey through the entire Word of God. Come along for the ride, and you'll study both the Old Testament and New Testament, discovering God's great redemption story. Is this your story, too?